Welcome to Small College Conversations, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from leading small college athletic administrators. Small College Conversations is presented by Chi Alpha Sigma, the only four-year collegiate student-athlete academic fraternity. To learn more, visit chialphasigma.org. And now, please welcome our host, the founder of the Business of Small College Athletics, Jim Abbott. All right, welcome back to Small College Conversations. I'm very excited today to have Dr. Angel Mason, the Athletic Director at Barry College, joining us. Angel, thanks so much for your time. Jim, thanks for having me. Well, I'm very much looking forward to our conversations. I, I uh, have some several questions I want to ask you. And then if time allows, I want to talk about my college teammate, David Beasley, who's on your campus. But before we get to that, I always am intrigued um, to learn about how people got their start. You're in your fourth year as an athletic director, but just kind of walk us through a little bit about how you got your start in athletics and then moved on to administration. Yeah, so um, I got my start through the NCAA um, Ethnic Minority and Women's Internship Grant, and that had me placed at Vassar College in Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, and so I started my career there, but I ended up even taking a look at that opportunity because two of my mentors from my undergrad career at Butler University, John Hind, he was my senior associate, and then Miss Alfreda Goff, she was at our conference office there in Indianapolis. And they were the two people that thought that I should be in athletics. Uh, they both thought that I should be an administrator. I thought I should be a coach um, because I didn't really know what it was that they did in administration. And so my internship at uh, Vassar allowed me to do administration and coaching together, um, which I loved. And eventually I went back to my alma mater and was coaching. And that was the moment that made me realize I wasn't a career coach. I missed the other things that I had access to doing, the people that I had access to, um, and the administrative side of the job, the support services side of the job. So that was really the turning point for me that I wanted to be an administrator. Um, I think I'm a great number two. I like I'm a doer. I can help people build things. I can take folks' vision and like bring it to life. Um, but when I was at Hamilton and I actually ended up working for John Hine and when I was there, he continued to push me to say, kid, you're an AD. Like you really are. You have the temperament for it. You have the abilities for it. You can lead other people, um, but you can also continue to follow. And that's important in this role. Everybody thinks that, you know, once you're in the chair, you just run all things. You make all the decisions and it's it's much bigger than that. Um, and people like to say it's lonely at the top. My favorite place is time with just me. So it doesn't bother me at all. And we set a plan together for that. And that plan had me go to Pomona College, um, which was a great opportunity under an AD that was first time in Division III, uh, first time in a faculty athletic department, both of which I had a great deal of experience in. Um, and it allowed me to manage a great deal of things. And we did some good stuff together in our three years. And following that, the Barry opportunity came open. A search firm had contacted me about it. And as I learned more, became more interested. And then once I saw it in person, um, yeah, I was like, I could see myself here 
for a good amount of time. And that was really important. You know, I didn't want to take an AD job and only want to be there. And after two years, feel like this is not the right place for me, you know, so I could see myself being here a long time. And a good part of that was because of the president. Um, I just, I bought into his vision. I think that's great advice. I, I often advise people not to take a job because they hope it will get them to the next job that, that they're looking for. And so it sounds like in your case that, um, number one, you had to get talked into the administrative side a little bit. And then and then once you were talked into it, it created a strategy. And the strategy was, you've got to leave here. You got to go to Pomona and get some other experiences. And then that will prepare you for the next step. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. And so now that you you got the athletic director's position, how is it different? Were some of your fears realized? Did you realize you were worried about things you shouldn't have been worried about? How was it different? Yeah, I would say the first part is you you really don't know until you're in the seat. I always made some assumptions. Um, I'd say the first thing that's different is is when you're in the next seat, that five inches over, you're always like, oh, I would have done this or that would have been different. Um, but until you're actually in the seat and the decision lies on your shoulders um, and you have to sleep with the results of that, it's very different. Um, and you're you're juggling a few more things, right? You're, you're, you're always juggling the student. You juggle the staff a lot more, right? Because these people are depending on you to make sound decisions on how they will function, not just with their job, but then how their job intertwines with their life, you know? And so that's a little different um, than I have had prior being a number two. Um, but I'd say for the most part, a lot of the things I was lucky enough to be under great people that either gave me access to do the work directly or gave me access to the room to hear the conversation, to hear how the information was processed. So I've worked for great people um, and I've had great mentors that believe in shooting me straight. And I think I have a great temperament for that. I wish more people were comfortable with just getting the hard truth sometimes um, because I think it, it absolutely prepared me to be able to do this job well. I think that's great, Angel. And I, you know, I meet with groups of folks uh, so often when you're an assistant AD, the answer to the question of what do you want to do is I want to be an AD. And for some people, being an assistant or associate AD is the ideal slot for them. Um, Absolutely. I love your analogy of five inches because I know you were an assistant basketball coach and a head basketball coach. And, and that experience, I'm sure, taught you that while it's only five inches, it, that, that's a pretty wide gap sometimes. Just being the final authority can, can be challenging. So um, I, I want to switch gears because you've already given us so much about your background. But you went to Butler, and then you, you immediately started on this D3 path of Vassar, Hamilton, Pomona, Barry, um, did that just it just happen that way? Uh, do you do you, what about D three appeals to you? How did that work? 
Yeah. So I don't want to leave out Caltech because I was at Caltech as well. And they're D3. But um, so it just kind of happened. Um, the internship gave me the opening and that is a division three based internship. Um, the internship, the people that I met, um, the people that I got to be in different programs with, I got to be at the time, um, it was NACWA, but now Women Leaders. Um, I got to be in some leadership development and got to meet a lot of people through that. And the experience that I had as a student athlete at Butler was really more aligned with many of, many of the experiences that I heard from high academic liberal arts based division three institutions um, than it would have been with those at power fives or, you know, FBS, all that jazz, even though I went to a division one, you know, mid-major. Um, when I was in school, if you were in a math or a science and that test was taking place at six o'clock and you had a 6.30 or seven o'clock game, your test was being proctored from wherever you were around the country or else you were going to just get a zero, right? That was the time that we were doing the test. If you had a game less than 25 miles from Butler, somebody was staying behind and driving you because you didn't get out of class for that. You know, so the overall, I felt like a student athlete in my experience and I wanted that same thing. And so starting in D3 when I didn't have a great knowledge base on it, I, I fell in love with it. Um, I can still see so many similarities between my playing experience and what I get to do um, as an administrator. And who knows, right? I may spend the rest of my career at Division Three. I may not. You know, I kind of take what's in front of me and evaluate it daily, but I love what I do now and I want to be able to keep doing that. Well, and you're young enough that you don't have to decide what you're going to do the rest of your life at this point either. Um, what do you think the biggest misperception about Division Three is? Uh, that Division Three athletes aren't competitive. Um, that Division Threes are um, not financially stable. Hmm. Um, and that athletic departments don't have resources. Um, and, and I think all of those are false. Um, I think there are just as many Division One and Division Two schools that struggle financially as there are Division Threes. Um, I think there are just as many people that decide to invest in athletics at the Division Three level as they do Division Two and Division One. It really comes down to the institution and where athletics falls on the priorities and how the institution sees athletics. If they see it as this thing on an island over there, it's gonna be treated differently. If it's seen as a part of the co-curricular experience that invests in not just those student athletes, but being a part of a residential campus, right? Athletics is useful to a campus when they're residential because it's something else for students to do, to be engaged with, to identify with. And um, you know, I, I just think it kind of depends on what you're looking for. Um, but there's lots of options that can bring that to you. Well, and Division Three is the largest collaboration of schools for over 400 Division Three schools, and it and it and I'm no expert, but it just seems to me that it is a there is a wide variety. There are some super elite schools with massive endowments, and there are some 
schools that are are you know even um, state schools uh, that don't necessarily appear to have significant resources, but just sort of value this um, common uh, thought of academics and athletics, and maybe in that order. Yes, um, and you know uh, it makes perfect sense to me. I, I think you're right. I think. Most of us in non-Division One schools, people just sort of wonder how competitive we really are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact is that we're not playing for the heck of it. We're 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 coming for you, and we're going to give you our best effort. Um, right. And then four years from now, we're going to be very engaged in making our community a better place. Absolutely. Well, what would you say as you think about leading the department there at Barry? What are three or four of the biggest priorities that you have in your job? Oh, biggest priorities. Well, I'd say the first is is always problem solving. Right, that that's a daily endeavor, um, and some of those things are small, and some of those things are are quite large, and have to take a little more of a strategic approach. Um, but I'd say problem solving, people management, that's the business that we're in, uh, people management, rather that be, you know, our staff or our students. You know, we have a very large student work program here. And so that's a part of it. Being able to manage people is a huge priority. Um, for us also, you know, we want to have an athletic department that resembles our academics, you know, People look at Barry, especially in our region, and they see a strong academic institution. They see a beautiful campus that many believe is like a forest preserve. Um, and, and they always see things being done very well. And so I want our athletic department to be the same. When they see our athletes out and traveling, eating dinner someplace, that they see them as, as being the best of Barry. Um, and so that's always a priority. And at the end of the day, I have to find ways to be able to support that, rather it's through facilities or financial resources, supporting championship experiences, all of those things. And so right now, there's a big push to make sure that our student athletes are being recognized both academically and athletically as being part of the best of Barry. Um, and so we're we're working on getting some things in line to be able to showcase that. So I'm excited that we're going to be able to do that this this spring that's great now you have a large department you have 22 varsity sports um and so i'm assuming athletics is counted on to some extent or a great extent to contribute to the enrollment of campus um are you done at 22 are there other sports that you're contemplating and and how closely do you manage the the sort of roster sizes of your teams yeah so well, we just put number 22 in last year and just uh, beach volleyball. And we just finished the facility for that a couple of months ago and just had the ribbon cutting this Friday. So I think we're going to stay steady at 22 for a little bit. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, 22 we're comfortable with right now. Um, as far as you know, what the future may hold, it'll be something that down the line, we try and really evaluate where we are and um, if there's something that makes sense for us to be next. Um, and obviously region takes a part in that for us. Not everything is a very popular and well um, 
recognized sport uh, in the South. So you got to be conscious of that as well. Um, as far as our rosters, we don't have kind of roster caps, so to speak, and we don't look to have JV programs at all. Um, what we look to do is have strong programs that have roster sizes that allow for us to compete very well within our conference. And then, you know, as some teams are consistently competitive, making sure that they have the depth to be able to compete at the national level um, with the hopes of being able to make some good strides, at, you know, in D3 championships and things of the sort. We do take part in the overall recruiting within the college, obviously. Um, you know, we started football 10 years ago. That's not exactly something that people are starting nowadays, um, but it did make a difference for us in trying to recruit more males to the campus. And so not just through our football program, but by general students that are like, okay, there are starting to be more guys there. So that the ratio isn't, you know, one to five male to female, you know, adding football and then, you know, having that has helped overall with our numbers. So those type of things are in consideration. You know, I hate to say it, but, you know, if we were to lose athletics tomorrow, the college would take a hit, but I believe that the college would figure it out after a few years um, because we have some very strong academic programs and we're continuing to expand upon that to really create some, some strength for the college in general. But um, athletics plays a key role in not just, you know, the recruiting of students, but creating a community, a, a culture that any student would want to be a part of. Well, and I know you hate to say it, but I, it's so healthy. Um, there are many, many schools, as you know, that if, at, you know, the predominance of students are our student athletes. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing necessarily, but I, in my case, at Oklahoma City University, we were about 20 to 25% of the undergraduate student body. And I just always kind of felt like that was a healthier way to go. Now, um, our business is a tough one. Higher education, people, you know, we think of it as a business because we're right in the middle of it. But people don't understand that even though we're all not, not for profit, we, we need to make a profit. We've got to be able to operate as a business. And so um, I want to I want to switch gears on you a little bit because one of the things that I see you you doing even even early in your career is you're very engaged nationally and um, I'm I'm a huge proponent of it. I know you're involved in a couple of uh, NCAA Division three committees. I know you're involved with uh, MO, uh, with MOA. I know mm -hmm. you're involved with women's leaders. So talk a little bit about, uh, you know, why you're involved and and then talk about maybe the time commitment and how you balance that with running the athletic department. Yeah, um, so I've been involved in committees since I kind of walked in the door. Um, Sharon Beverly, who was my first boss, she was the athletic director at Vassar, she was very involved in committees. Um, and, and so I kind of just, you know, took that direction from her that, you know, she always explained that it helps you understand the business more. 
Um, it allowed for you to create community outside of the place where you were working, which is very important. Um, and honestly, for me, ended up being a saving grace. I haven't really lived a bunch of places that were highly populated with folks that look like me. <laughs> so having that additional community is always helpful um, and, and made me know that I kind of wasn't alone in this work, um, but I also enjoy it. I think it's important to understand the business that you're in and serving on these national committees, you know, they've helped me really understand athletics. Um, they've helped me understand the what we do and how the different parts play into one another. Um, being able to serve on racks and stuff, you get to figure out a little more of like, okay, we're in the social media age now, so everybody can jump on Twitter and make comments about who should be where and versus whom. But until you're sitting in there and looking at all this data and figuring out win-loss percentage and strength of schedule and the different regions that are covered, then you're like, okay, whoa, this is much bigger than just team A, B, team B once. And so they should be in. Um, that type of knowledge, I think, is important. And, you know, like they say, knowledge is power. Um, and being able to serve on these committees have given me a great deal of knowledge that I can continue to lean back on um, and, you know, you draw on when you need. And for me, I feel like if I don't have a great deal of subject matter expertise, then how am I going to be the person leading other folks, right? Um, so that's that's been a big why for me. Now, the time is difficult. <laughs> It, it just is. Um, the more things that you're committed to, the more work it means you have to do and the more time is consumed. It works for me. I'm not a big sleeper as it is. I never have been. <laughs> um, it, it's not one of the things that have been passed down. Uh, my grandmother is a horrible sleeper. And so I'm pretty sure that I got that from her. Um, you know, if I get four, four and a half hours, I'm ecstatic. Like that's great rest for me. Um, so, but it does take a great deal of time. Prioritizing, I would say is a big part. And then honestly, as you gain a great deal of knowledge, sharing it with somebody else. And then there are people on your staff that can do some of the things that, you know, sometimes we feel like we're the only person that can do. Um, and given your staff, that's like you building professional development within your team. You know, can I be the person that answers all the compliance questions and helps to write all the grants and put in all the RSRO things? I absolutely can. But if I let this other person do that, not only are they gaining a deeper understanding about our business and how things work, but now that's one less thing on my plate and my team has grown confidence in somebody else, right? It just makes us a stronger administrative team overall. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and I want to I want to step back and tell people who might be listening, Angel is not telling you that if you get involved nationally, you will never sleep. She, what, <laughs> <No>. she, <laughs> what she's telling you is there is an additional time commitment, but it can be very rewarding. And, and I always found, Angel, that part of what I liked about it, two things. One, Oklahoma City University got great visibility when I was involved in national committees. But mm -hmm. two, I could be at the forefront of ideas and conversations that might eventually come back to yeah. us. And yeah. so I, I'm just kind of making fun of you there. I, I And I appreciate that you, you know, you're like me. You're not very good at sitting around. Um, no. 
I'm not. I like the I like the juggling. Yeah. And I also think that that's a big reason why Division Three fits me so well is that I don't I don't get bored. There's always something new coming at you. Um, so I enjoy that a great deal. And then when you know when you get to do this service and stuff, and and I will be honest, a great deal of the professional development things that I went to early in my career and the committees that I got lucky enough to get on. I was literally saving up pennies to be able to go to said professional development or said conference or convention and calling up one of those people that I was on committees with and was like, hey, you want to share a room or whatever the case may be. If I had to make a six and a half hour drive instead of taking a flight because that was going to be cheaper, you know, that's what I did at the time because I was vested in what it was that I wanted to do within this career, you know? So there has to be a little bit of sacrifice, right? Anything worth having requires sacrifice as far as I'm concerned. Well, and the other thing that I'm hearing that I think is very important is that you prioritized investing in yourself um, and going to the professional development and whether it was a presentation or, or the network that grew out of it, uh, it sounds like that investment has paid back uh, many times wow. over. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm just like you. I, I just sort of had this attitude that I was always going to keep learning and kind of put myself uh, in positions that would give me the best opportunity to do that. Now, one of the committees that you're on that I've found kind of intriguing, and this is from a NAI guy who who has his thoughts of, of D3 and financial aid, but you're the chairman or the chairperson of the Division Three Financial Aid Committee. Is that correct? So I was. I've rolled off now. Um, <laughs> and it and it is the committee that everyone believes is like putting down violations. Um, it does not, to be clear. The Financial Aid Committee is a very important committee that's foundational to Division Three, right? That it is the checks and balances to make sure that we're holding true to our principles. And, and that is that we will not reward grant or aid based on athletics ability. And when we do that, we have to consider how are we making sure that student athletes are in line with the general student population? Now, we all know that student athletes will have to juggle some more things than the general student population sometimes. Um, but how do we stay true to what we believe the student athlete experience should be? So the financial aid committee really is all about just reviewing the information in front of us, um, asking good probing questions of an institution making sure that they're communicating clearly what opportunities there are for aid for everyone, right? We don't want any secret squirrel activities with, with hidden aid um, <laughs> that you have to know someone to know someone to be able to access. So it's really more so those type of items. And then making sure that the things that we're seeing that could be questionable, are there actual bylaws that they do directly come in conflict with? And those things, when that happens, that's when it might be pushed forward to infractions if you're not able to communicate clearly the why. Um, you know, if you have outliers that continue to be student athletes, what's the why behind that? How is that happening? Why is that happening? And it could be like, this is the why. 
right? We just continue to keep getting students in our region that also happen to be student athletes, but this information is clear as day for everyone. And, you know, you look and 15 people applied for it and of those 15 people, you know, eight of them were student athletes. Okay, you know, but if there's something that does seem a little questionable, it'll be moved to infractions and infractions will determine if it actually is an NCA violation or not. Um, but it is not a popular committee, let me tell you. <laughs> well, but <laughs> you know. yeah, it's not a popular committee and your service is done and you, now you've moved on to other committees. Is that right? Yeah. So now, um, you know, I currently am on the MOA board and the Nadia board. Um, and I'm one of the circle leads for women leaders on their women of color circle um, that is really about building community and um, providing educational resources and so on and so forth. And that's not divisional, right? That is yeah. cross higher ed in general, but kind of focusing on those type of things. And then when it comes to my NCA service, I'm most interested in the things that are talking about what does the future of NCA look like? What does the future of Division Three look like for us? Um, and that's the space where I'm using most of my energy when it comes to NCA now. Um, not so much on sport committees or, or things like that. Um, now, those things help me be able to be at the place I am now. Uh, so I would absolutely suggest that people do those things. Yeah, well, I think a common theme in, in your life is when people are around you, they, they uh, one, appreciate you, and two, push you to come and come and serve in another area and another area. And so you just you just mentioned in the NCAA space, what you're focused on now is sort of the future. And I, mm -hmm. I want to kind of wrap this up by talking about it, because I know in the last year, the NCAA had this transformation committee. Uh, I talked to one of your peers, Stevie Baker Watson, who was on the committee and uh and you know, Stevie was really upfront. She said, "Gosh, Jim, we we part of what we wanted was just to get a little more money." <laughs> yeah. And and then she went on to say, "But we understand our games are not on on ESPN, and we don't have the wide uh, exposure that that the larger schools do." But mm -hmm. um, when I sort of look from the outside at the results of this committee. I'm not sure I see any significant impact that it's had, particularly on Division Three. So, look into your crystal ball a little bit and and tell me what you what what do you see moving forward with the NCAA, and then maybe more specifically uh, in the Division Three space. Yeah. So, you know, let's just, we'll we'll be very honest here. Um, I see in the future the NCAA changing drastically. Um, Division three, from my perspective, is the steady in what makes NCAA athletics something that people feel positive about all the time. Um, you know, our student stories, you know, the human interest pieces, you know, the um, all of our different programming that we do, those things are like pulling at the heartstrings, right? And then you have the top of the top as far as revenue. 
um, power five, so on and so forth. And that's the business business of it that tends to have a lot more conflicts that make national news and that are concerning and are bringing honestly, Congress and, and legislators into the space a lot more than they ever have. And so I see the future of intercollegiate athletics changing a great deal. Um, in the short term, I think it's important for Division three and institutions that want to continue to have intercollegiate athletics to think about how we would do business differently. Um, I think it's really important for us to begin to get in front of that or else we will just be reactionary. You mentioned you know, Stevie's comments about we just wanted a little bit more money. Um, and I would say that that's absolutely true and, and I agree with that. But I also believe that there's a value to Division Three's story. And I think it's time that we start investigating what that value is. What's the value of our championships? When you start looking at people that are doing great things in the world around us, many of them were Division Three student athletes. Right, there is a value to what we do, what we showcase, and honestly, of these high school student athletes, the vast majority of them are not going to end up at Division ones. We have more institutions, we tend to offer more sports, we have more access, right? So I think it's time that we have to start considering what does Division three look like if the top of the top were to disappear. And the Division I Transformation Committee is the one that we need to be keeping a strong eye on, right? As many of the things that they've recommended, look at the dates and timelines around them, are in line with their current TV contract. Yeah. So we have to be smart about what our business looks like and what we want it to be. Maybe we're not a national championship anymore in every sport. And maybe we have pulled back to regional. If we continue on with the national format, maybe you do have to invest a little bit if your programs are going to continue on, right? We have to look at other models for how we do business. And I hope that we begin to do that before we have to do that. Yeah, well, it sounds like um, what you foresee or your, your best guess is the day that there's a separation and let's face it, there's a pretty big separation already. Um, exactly. Uh, and you're talking about division three and I was in the NAI, but I can tell you division two, it's all the same. Yep. Um, the good news for us is that what we do is much more relatable um, to the vast majority of people. Um, you know, most of them, most of us have never, you know, never had to think about, you know, whether they were going to go pro early or, or whether, you know, if we win this game, we get a million dollars, you know, all of these kinds of things that aren't, aren't realistic uh, for the vast majority of us. Um, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where it goes. And I am very grateful for you honestly answering that question. Because um, there are still a lot of questions. I, I have a final question for you, and and it's this: what what would you tell a young woman, uh, a twenty year old athlete at any school, who was thinking about maybe working in athletics? What would you tell her? What what advice would you give her in terms of of 
why you really ought to do it and how you ought to go about it? Well, I would say the first thing is, if you want to get into athletics, you can't just love sport. You have to love the business of supporting people. Um, that That is what our business is. It's not every day hanging out in the gym or on the field or at the pool, right? So you got to love the idea of supporting people. It is a service industry. Um, so I would say that first. Uh, I would say secondly, if you're really interested in this business, follow behind people, ask great questions, see what your skill sets might you know, really help you do well with and do not aspire to be an athletic director or commissioner or any of that. Aspire to be great at the job that you're doing at the time and then see what that develops into over time. That's great advice. Uh, um, you and I have just met Angel and I'm, I'm just sitting here, number one, feeling great about the future of college athletics with leaders like you. And I have no doubt that just as people inspired you and kind of maybe pushed you to do more than you thought you could, that you're going to do that same thing for others. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time to to share a little bit of your insights and wisdom today. And I hope maybe we can do this again some other time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I appreciate you reaching out and giving me the opportunity to share my thoughts Um and I absolutely hope that down the road that there will be some young people that feel like I've been able to inspire them like a great deal of people have been able to inspire me. Well, I have no doubt that that's going to happen. Uh, our guest again today, Dr. Angel Mason, Athletic Director at Barry College. Um, we hope that you'll come back and join us for our next episode of Small College Conversations. Thanks. <laughs>